Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information about Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. And now, here's Cynthia. Well, good afternoon. Thank you very much for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we are in the Christmas season. So in honor of the Christmas season and with New Year just around the corner, we're going to talk about the most important issue to the human race, this being the issue of relationship. So what could be more relational than Christmas? A baby is born, a family is made, and in a very strange way, and both situations are overshadowed with controversy. So what we'll see in this birth and the family that occurs as a result is the single most important event which has ever happened in the history of our world. And this being the birth and the life of one man and his relationship to humans. So God has shown his creation the single most important thing to him, something more important than justice, truth, etc. It was his relationship to his people and his creation. So what this means is relationships are unavoidable because they are part of the human condition. And we don't have the ability truly to not relate because we will even relate to an inanimate objects. So relationships are positive or they're negative, but they are not avoidable. So when relationships are positive or negative, it's up to us to determine whether or not to put the effort into creating a positive relationship dynamic within a given individual. So unhealthy and unsuccessful relationships can be avoided but not without some effort on our part. So I can only do my side of any relationship, not both sides. Now, I can be with someone who's giving me the impression that I'm managing their side, but in reality, we are really limited to only our part. That really is the only thing that I can affect, is the way that I relate. And we see this great example with God, with Jesus, that he doesn't control us and he doesn't control our response to him. He really manages his side of the relationship and he does it obviously very well. So when relationships aren't working well, we are hurt and tend to want to shut down and be quote unquote done with relationships altogether. But since we know that relationships are unavoidable, what we are really wishing to say is that we want to avoid intimacy because intimacy can be kind of scary and can truly be the area that we are hurt in. The only difference is, if we avoid intimacy, we actually get hurt more. Because the intimacy is what makes it worth trying and what makes it worth overcoming hurt. So what is the difference between relating and intimacy? Well, this is the second foundational truth. The first one is that relationships are unavoidable. The second one is that they are basic human need to know someone and to be known by someone. This is a basic human need that humans have. So that is intimacy, is to be known and to know someone. 
So there are levels of intimacy, of course. And the deepest hurts happen when someone who we thought knew us turns out to have not known us at all. The other area that truly hurts when it comes to a lack of intimacy is that we're not seen. And see, humans have this great need to be seen. This is why babies are looking at us and we are looking at them and gazing into their eyes. This is why often we we gaze into the eyes of animals and dogs and cats, because this is part of this human condition is that we want to see and be seen. And so what we are, we have this, this mistake in relating with intimacy. So where we have this, this breakdown is if we are relating without intimacy, then we have a, a large void and we end up wanting to shut people out. And so what we have to do is that we have to look at what are some of the reasons that we want to avoid intimacy. Because what happens to us that we want to avoid intimacy? We're going to talk about that a little bit later when it comes to why God wants us in relationship. So Webster's Dictionary defines relate as to tell the story of or or narrate or to connect as in thought or meaning. So this is to have a connection or relation to. So you can be related to family but have no intimacy with them. So this general definition can mean anything from relating to the waitress at the coffee shop to what should be the most intimate relationship, and that is relating to my significant other or my spouse, my children, my family. We would all like that in our families. But unfortunately, our families are oftentimes wrought with their own hurts and their own inabilities for intimacy. So what we think about as intimate, this is defined as the most private or personal, very close or familiar, deep and thorough. So these are vastly different experiences. The most meaningful and healing relationships must have intimacy. So we can have many relationships on multitude of levels with no intimacy, which means that I can relate to a lot of people. I can enjoy their presence. I can laugh with them. I can even share anecdotal information, but they don't really know me. And this is where loneliness occurs for most people because we know there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Because truly, we all are alone. I'm alone inside of myself other than, thankfully, my relationship with God. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to feel lonely. The times that I feel the most lonely is when I am disconnected from another person. Because humans have a basic need to relate with intimacy. This is why Jesus on the cross died when his father turned his face from him. Because there was such an intimate bond between the two of them, he was completely alone and lonely for that relationship with his father. So in my practice, what I work at doing is dispelling the myths that people create for themselves. Like they might say to me, they're done with relationships. They're never going to do a relationship again. And really what they're saying is, I'm done with trying to be known. I'm done with wanting to be seen. So I'll interact with people. I'll relate to them, but I'm not opening my heart anymore to them. So what we see is the choice is not whether or not to have a relationship. The choice is whether or not to have positive, intimate relationships with others. So one of the things that would be most effective for us as humans is to truly learn what it means to be intimate because the more intimacy we have in our life, the more fulfilled our life is going to be. And so we see many times people that have tremendous intimacy with with individuals don't require a lot of external things. We see how Jesus lived his life. He had tremendous intimacy with his father. He had intimacy with his friends, the disciples. 
He didn't have a great need for power, prestige, status, money, belongings. Because what, when people are the most fulfilled is when they are having intimacy. So one of the best ways that we start, and we're going to refer to this in probably the next show next week, is our relationship with God, with ourselves, and with others, and how we manage that, and how codependency or that lack of boundaries gets in the way of us managing our relationship with others and ourself and God. So the question is, will I choose to relate positively with intimacy or will I attempt to avoid relating only to for sure get negative relationships because they're void of intimacy? So that doesn't mean that we don't have different levels of intimacy. So I can feel many times very close to a restaurant, a store, a library, workplace, when I'm interacting with people on an ongoing basis and I'm actually sharing my life to, to varying degrees. If I'm only relating to individuals about what their profession is or, or what they're doing for me or what I'm performing for them, I'm going to go home and I'm going to feel very lonely. So if all of my relationships are performance-oriented, what I'm doing for that person, but I'm not known, I can be very effective at positively impacting their life, but if they don't know me, I'm going to feel very lonely. So if you don't put work into a relationship, if you don't take risk in developing positive, intimate relationships, you'll be left with those negative relationships that are void of intimacy. So what we find is that the avoidance of relationship with intimacy ends up hurting far more than putting the work into positive relationships because relationship avoidance is at best a feeble attempt at self-protection. And what we find is that the more self-protecting we become, which is different than having healthy boundaries, the more protective we are, the less ability we have for intimacy the more lonely we will be. And when people get lonely and they don't feel connected to people around them, this is where they begin with destructive behaviors. And and at the worst, this is where they suicide. And so we see that the basic human condition is the need to be known and to know someone. And I've cited before this famous uh, Russian study that was done, I believe, in the Second World War, and they had many orphans. And they housed them in this great big warehouse. And and they actually took very good care of them. But they didn't care about the babies. And so they fed them regularly, very, you know, high-quality food. They changed their diapers regularly. They had clean sheets. And so they they attended to all of their physical needs. They managed the temperature in in the warehouse. But what they didn't do is hug them, hold them, talk to them, and look at them. And this is where we get that saying, failure to thrive. These babies died. They perished because they were alone, and then they felt completely lonely. So what we find is that the first foundational truth is that relationships are unavoidable. The second foundational truth is that we have the need for intimacy versus just relating, and that we can choose to relate positively. So what I want you to think about while we are getting ready to go into the break is that the difference between relating and intimacy is going to be greatly affected 
by the level of dysfunction or the safety of the person that I'm wanting to have intimacy with. And so as we go forward into Christmas, one of the most painful things is that it has this poignancy to it, and it, cons- it kind of has this, this tendency for our hearts to want to bond more, to want to be closer. It, you know, it has these memorable, bittersweet types of feeling to these gatherings. And so what we want to learn to do is understand that the concepts of relating why God wants us in relationship. And we're going to create kind of this basic for today because next week we are going to talk about codependency and how to make those times with our family and friends beneficial and safe. This is Cynthia Hyatt. Come back in the next section and we'll be done in a couple of minutes. Welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today, in honor of Christmas, we are talking about why God wants us in relationship. Because we all know that relationships can be extremely painful, but they can also be extremely fulfilling. And unfortunately, I say that tongue-in-cheek for humans, they are unavoidable. This is a basic human need that humans have. Um, and, and it's something that we continue to pursue even when we make these statements and these vows that we are never going to do a relationship again. I frequently have even friends, uh, myself included, I, you know, and, and I have clients that they say to me, I'm never doing a relationship again. That's it. I'm done. I'm over with them while they're relating to me and they're having intimacy with me. And so we know that we say that as the self-protective mechanism that that allows us to have some kind of control over the hurt that we've we've experienced but i know true to form after a while we all jump right back in there and we do relationship all over again with the attempt of intimacy because what we were talking about in the in the first segment is that we 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 understand that relationships are unavoidable because we even relate to inanimate objects you know i can even say that i have this love hate relationship with my car or I have a relationship with my cat, and I may feel like I have intimacy with my cat or my dog, but unfortunately, they really don't have the prefrontal lobe, the ability to have deep and meaningful relationship. I can project onto them what I think they're feeling, and they certainly can love me, which is, I believe, as I ramble for a minute, I believe that pets, that dogs, cats, these kinds of animals are kind of the buffer uh, in between the the places that humans fail one another. And so we're very thankful for pets. But we can't truly be known by a pet or by an inanimate object. We can't truly be known by the waitress at the at the restaurant that we may frequent. I can't truly be known by a character on a TV show, even though I might feel an affinity for them. Because intimacy is about being known and knowing the other person. And so we find that, again, relationships are unavoidable and that there is a difference between relating and intimacy. Because as I said before, relating is simply a human condition. It's a human practice that we do. But intimacy is a deeper, more meaningful um, interaction between two humans. And that is where we eradicate those feelings of loneliness. 
So if we understand this whole idea that relationships are unavoidable, then what that leaves us with is a choice of whether or not I'm going to make that relationship, at least on my side, positive and bring the most opportunity for intimacy. Because what we see is that I really only have control over my side of the relationship. As much as I would like to feel like I'm controlling the other side, which is this issue of codependency that we're going to talk about next week, I really only have the ability to do my side. And God gives us this great example that he only does his side of the relationship, and he does it very well, but he does not control our response. He does not control what we're thinking or feeling nor can we control what God thinks or feels about us. So we see this this tendency of needing to be in relationship. And one of the things that that God established in the the second uh, verse, second chapter of Genesis, was he said, the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he recognized that man, not woman, but man was alone, that all the animals had a partner, but man did not. And he knew that Even he was not enough because he wasn't human at that time. And one of the reasons he sent Jesus, thankfully, is that God became human, walked among us, related to us, and showed us how to relate with intimacy. So when God stated this, we see that Adam was perfect and his relationship with God was perfect. And it still wasn't good enough for man. He was still lonely. So it's easy to understand why it's so painful when our relationships are unsuccessful. Because we are created as relational beings. It's an instinctual longing. It's very natural and necessary for our emotional health. It's a very natural and necessary component for us to have vision for our future. You you know, you've experienced yourself when you fall in love or when you have a significant friendship or when you have children and and you feel that, that love for them, that it gives you future. It causes you to have vision because you want, you have some energy to look forward to the future because you have someone that you're going to be sharing it with. So when God introduced Adam to his first relationship, this is outside of himself, everything was still perfect. So what we can conclude is that having a relationship with yourself and God is imperative for healthy relationships. But we also need the third component, and that is the relationship with others. So we talked about the difference between intimacy and relating, and that we can relate with things, but that doesn't mean that we have intimacy. Because this is a connection that's either going to be positive or negative, and it's with or without agreement. This is relating. So relating is about knowledge. Relating is, is about more factual things. It is not necessarily my internal world being known by someone. So we talked about that relating is to tell a story. It's to narrate. It, it connects us through thought, through understanding, maybe concepts. Supposed to have a connection or relation to somebody. So I can be very related to my family, but I may not have intimacy with them. So this idea, this word relate or relating, doesn't include the concept of intimacy. It's more about thought. So it's sharing thoughts. So if you if you listen to the one on communication that we did, we talked about these different levels of communication. And thought, sharing opinions, ideas, concepts is not necessarily intimacy, but it is relating. So what we understand is that the ability to relate does not require or guarantee intimacy. So you may relate to people that you don't even like, your boss, your in-laws, your pets, your car. But the ability, the ability to relate doesn't include emotion. 
So intimacy requires emotional content, willingness, and ability. So intimacy is knowing another and being known. It's very private. It's very personal. So how we relate to ourselves and others is, is, is learned. So I learned this from my family. And, and so th- this whole relational language occurs within my family. So when I'm working with couples, I'm working with, with individuals that are not necessarily feeling successful in their relationship, I talk to them about their emotional language because they're always saying, why do I keep picking the same people? And one of the reasons that this happens is that we speak this emotional language that is somewhat under the radar. It's kind of subconscious. So every time we think we're picking a different person, their outsides may look different, but their internal world somehow matches my internal world. And that has a lot to do with the way I was raised. So all of our families have some level of dysfunction. And this, this, these childhood experiences then determine the degree to which we need to learn or, or, or change the way that we relate as a way toward intimacy. So we either learn to relate healthy or unhealthy, successful or unsuccessfully. So when we are looking at intimacy and creating it, we want to find out how do I relate to myself? How do I let, relate to God? And that has a lot to do with how I relate to others. So when we are going into this Christmas season, we want to look at the way we relate to our family. Do I relate sarcastically? Do I relate with uh, derision? Do I relate with being shut down? Do I, am I self-protective? What are the ways that I relate in my family system? Because they are going to have a lot to do with the emotional language I speak to others. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and we are taking a break. So rejoin me in a couple of minutes, and we will talk more about why God wants us in relationship. Thank you for rejoining me. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking today about why God wants us in relationships. Because we know that sometimes Christmas time and New Year's can bring about some, some kind of uncomfortable feelings, sometimes some sad feelings, angry feelings. Because we might spend more time with people in our lives that it may be somewhat problematic. So sometimes we might say to God, what is the point? Why am I having to be in relationship with all of these people that are either driving me crazy or hurting my feelings or letting me down. And so what we find is that the, the basic component to the human condition is to relate. So we can avoid intimacy, but we can't not relate. And so we talked about all the different things, even inanimate objects that we may relate to. Doesn't mean that we have intimacy because intimacy is knowing someone and being known by someone. So if we look at another definition of intimacy, we could say it's the joyful union that comes when two people learn together how to give love and accept love. So many times in our family, unfortunately, we try to give love, but we may not receive it. Or they may not receive the love that we're trying to give them. And it can, it can lead this void of loneliness. And so what we're looking at today is understanding why God wants us in relationship, because it gives us the strength and the courage to go forward in pursuing relationship. Because many times we want to say, I'm done. I don't do relationship. 
and, and that's unavoidable to us. What we're saying is that I don't do intimacy. So I'm not willing to be known anymore by somebody. And I'm not willing to know another person. And what we find is that when we are taking that kind of a stance, we are stealing from our hearts the most important part of being human and the one that is going to give us the most fulfillment. So when we look at the difference between healthy or unhealthy relating styles, we know that unhealthy relating styles inhibit intimacy. So what is dysfunctional love? Well, this is going to be love out of balance. It's loving the other too much while loving the self too little. So what we talked a little bit about in the past um, segments of this show is that the way I relate to myself, the way I relate to God, has a great deal to do with how I relate to others. So if I'm mean to myself, if I'm derisive to myself, if I beat myself up, if I have negative thoughts toward myself, if I don't receive the truth that God has for me regarding how he feels about me, then I'm going to transfer that into my relationships in a horizontal way with other people. And so I'm either going to be trying to get them to meet needs that they're unable to meet, or I'm going to try to be meeting needs for them that they're supposed to be meeting. Either way, we're going to both be disappointed. I might be also misperceiving the signals that they're sending. I may be projecting onto them my own fears and insecurities. Or it may be that I engage in relationship with unsafe people because I'm unsafe with myself and I don't feel safe with God. So we always want to look at God as the perfect example. He gives us great, a perfect example of how to relate with himself and how to relate with others. We see this in the life of Christ, and we see this in how God talks about us and how he feels about us. And if you ever want a great template for relationship with yourself, read the love chapter. Because if I can practice the love chapter with myself, if I'm willing to receive it from God and believe it, and always remember that believing doesn't necessarily mean you feel it. It means that you are believing God for what he is saying to be true. And what I, what I say to people oftentimes is, you know, you won't believe God about what he tells you, but you will believe other people. And they may lie to you, and they may lie about you, and they may say things about you that you know aren't true. They may say you're a loser, you're a failure, you're ugly, you're unworthy. And so we're willing to believe what other people say, but we're not willing to believe what God says. So it's very important that we ask God for that gift of belief and we take the step toward choosing to believe. And the love chapter is how God loves you. He is patient. He is kind with you. He is long-suffering. He doesn't enjoy when you're hurt. And we need to practice that with ourselves. So I need to be patient. I need to be kind. I need to be long-suffering. I need to not say to myself, well, Cynthia, you made your bed. You lie in it. This is not God's heart. So it's important for me to practice what God does toward me, toward myself. I am that much better able to do that with others. And I'm that much better able to recognize when they're not doing it with me, which may then tell me I need to create boundaries because boundaries are different than walls and boundaries protect me and that other person versus keeping out relationship in a defensive, self-protecting posture. So it's imperative that I understand I have this innate need to relate and I have a deep longing for intimacy. I deeply want to be known and I want to know another and I want that powerful connection. So we're going to talk next segment about the very specific things scripturally of why God wants me in relationship. 
So join me again in a couple of minutes, and we will finish this segment, this show, about why God wants us in relationship. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt. And today, in honor of Christmas, we are talking about why God wants us in relationships. Because we do know that Christmas time often is wrought with pain. And it is it kind of gives us this, this feeling sometimes as we experience maybe family, we experience old relationships that get, you know, we have these kinds of reunions. Uh, we may interact more with people at work. And so sometimes we get this feeling that just says, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be in relationship anymore. This is too painful. This is too hard. And so one of the things that can be the healthiest thing for us to do is just to accept the fact that we are relational beings, that there is no way around that. And I would rather you learn to relate successfully with, with humans that are safe, that give you that meaningful sense of intimacy versus trying to relate only to inanimate objects, pets, or people that you meet as you go around shopping or these types of things, and that you keep yourself secluded. Because what that's going to do is that's going to steal your very identity. It's going to steal the heart of who you are. Because you are created to give back to this world, that you were created for a reason, and that is because there are individuals on this planet that need to know you and that you need to know. And so we need to work with trusting God and understanding that he knew what he was doing when he made us this way. And so what we want to think about, that we talked about in the last segment, was truly accepting the love chapter as a template for how God loves us, and it is then a template for how we are to love ourselves, which will help us to love others in the same way and to recognize maybe when they're not, and to have appropriate boundaries to protect ourselves versus just being defensive and shutting them out and trying to protect ourselves. In an, in an unhealthy manner. So we, we have these ideas that we can see biblically of why God wants us in relationship. And one, if we're not in relationship, we grow wild. I'm going to give you references. I'm not going to read the verses because of time constraints. But if you look at John 15, 1, this is where he talks about uh, he's the vine and we're the branches, and that he prunes us. And so we know that if we're not in relationship, we grow wild. We also have that famous verse, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, that says, iron sharpens iron. So we know that when we are rubbing up against one another, we are sharpening one another so that we are healthy. And many times I tell clients, I say, you know, we don't want to be a walking piece of Velcro that just snags on everything that somebody says or does or every nuance, every gesture, that we want to be as sharp as iron, sharpened iron that is smooth, that just kind of cuts through things like butter. And doesn't snag. So we also know that he wants us in relationship for encouragement. And we see this in Proverbs 17, 17, Hebrews 10, 25. And we also know that he wants us in relationships for comfort. And we see this in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7, where he talks about that he has given us comfort. He's the father of compassion. And he comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort others. And so we, we also know what we see in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, And he says, I know what I'm doing. I have it planned out. I have plans to take care of you, not to abandon you for a future and for a hope. So we know that God wants us in relationship because that's part of the purpose of why we're created. That's why God created us was for relationship. 
He also wants us to multiply ourselves, and we see that in Ecclesiastes 4.9, which actually we also we know, certainly know about propagating the human race, but we also know that, that two are better than one because it says in that, that verse in Ecclesiastes 4.9 that we have a good return for our labor. So there's strength in numbers as well. And we see that farther down in that ecclesiastical um, chapter 4 in verses 11 and 12, where it says, you know, if two lay down together, they keep warm. Um, he says, how can one keep warm alone? And that, that two or more cannot be as easily overpowered, and they can defend themselves. And, and that famous a three-strand, you know, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So we, he also knows that we need connection to guard against loneliness. And this is the impetus of this show today is that that intimacy causes us not to feel lonely because what we find with people that eventually suicide is they have tremendous, deep, profound loneliness. They don't feel connected to the world at all, so they feel no reason to stay. And so we need that connection, and we see that in Genesis 2.18 when we talked about it's not good for men to be alone. And my favorite, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 68.6. And this is where he says, He puts the lonely in families. He puts the lonely in families. So if you're feeling lonely, you feel like you don't have family, or the family you have causes you to feel lonely because there's no intimacy, I want to encourage you to continue to prevail toward God, to continue to travail as well with him about family. And family is out there, and part of us finding that family is us doing that with God, with ourselves. And then learning how to do that with others in a successful manner so that we attract safe people as well. But more than anything, I'm not telling you this because it's your performance that causes God to put you in family. That he has one for you, and it's imperative that you don't let the enemy steal from you the hope of having connection and intimacy and belonging. So we also are in relationship because we need support. And we see a great example of Jesus as a human needing support from his friends in Matthew 26, I think it goes 36 all the way through uh, 41. And, and he talks to the, his friends and he says, you know, my soul, that, that portion where he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Can't you stay? Can't you stay with me? I think he says, can't you stay and keep watch with me? And so we also know that it serves as, as a reflection of ourselves. So when we're in relationship with others, we get a view of ourselves And if we're in relationship with people that are not necessarily safe, the view they're giving us may be very distorted and very skewed. And we need to be careful as to who we let speak into our life about who we are. And so that John 8, 32, it it talks about, you know, then you will experience yourselves the truth if if you continue to be my disciple, and then the truth will set you free. So we want to make sure that we are are intimate with people that are truth seekers. Not people that always know the truth, because we're all searching. We're all waiting. We're all looking to God to reveal more truth to us. And so we also know that the reason God wants us in relationship is to know God and to have peace. And we see this beautifully in, in Romans 5.1. He says, you've been justified through faith, which means we know God. And you will have peace with God through Jesus. And so we know he also wants us to be healed. And that, the, the reference for that I want you to have is James 5.16. And this is when he talks about when we confess our sins one to another and pray for one another, we'll be healed. And so, of course, sometimes there are some people that get these spontaneous healings immediately. And sometimes God wants us to continue confessing and praying for one another 
for our healing because he wants intimacy with us and he knows that praying and meeting together and talking about our struggles and our internal world creates intimacy. Many times that ushers in the healing. And so we don't want to be praying and confessing just to get healing. We want to understand that part of searching for that healing comes through intimacy. And so he also actually commands me to relate. When he says in Hebrews um, 10.25, he says, don't give up meeting together. And I'm sure you're very familiar with this. He says, you need to continue meeting together, encouraging one another, because the day is approaching, that end times is approaching. And so again, let's go back to this foundational truth, that relationships are unavoidable, but intimacy, that second truth, is that intimacy can be avoided, not relationships. So we want to remember that intimacy is a choice. And who we give those precious pearls to is a choice. And we want to be learning what safe people are. And in, and in next week's show, we're going to talk about codependency. And so that the more that we are, are a safe person ourselves, we will attract safe people. We will also recognize safe people. And we will then know that those safe people, those are the ones that I can have successful intimacy with. And that I, not, I need to not keep trying to have intimacy with people that are incapable of it. It doesn't mean I don't love them. But it means that I'm very careful about giving those pearls to people that are going to trample them and turn and tear me to pieces. That is not wise. That's not good self-care. That's not me practicing the love chapter toward myself. And so we see that there's a huge difference between trustworthy people and perfect people. So I like to think I'm trustworthy, but I'm certainly not perfect. So I know the people in my life that I love very deeply, I will hurt. Now, the reason I'm trustworthy is because I don't enjoy hurting them, and I don't do it intentionally, and I don't say I'm sorry just so that I can do it again. I actually am working on changing and growing so that I stop hurting them. And so when I know I've done that, I apologize, and I probably care more about hurting them than they felt hurt, which causes me to be considered a trustworthy person. I also am good at, at, at keeping confidences. I'm also not judgmental. And so if I am, I apologize. I try, to, I try to really manage that because that makes me a safe person. And so when we think about relationship with self and God and others, and we talked about the love chapter being a great template, we also have Mark twelve thirty one that tells me, love your neighbor as yourself. So I have to say to myself, would my neighbor like to be loved by me the way that I love myself? Would he enjoy being loved by me because of the way that I love myself? So I want to realize that the more that I love myself, and this is not an egotistical love, this is truly self-care and nurturing, that when I am doing that for me, I'm going to be that much more for others. And I will now be a healing force in their life. I won't be one of the people that they have to overcome that they have to get therapy over, that they have to heal from. I don't want to be that person. And so I want to practice self-care, which causes me to have more energy to care for others. So we know that love is unconditional, but listen, intimacy is earned. And we need to realize that truth, that I can love the world, I can love people unconditionally and not judge them and help out the poor and and help out a destitute person. I, I can be kind to someone that's harming me. But it doesn't mean I'm going to have intimacy. 
So I can say, you know, if a serial killer is, you know, burning alive in a house because he escaped out of prison, well, I'm going to run in and try to save him. I I value that life. It doesn't mean I'm going to have lunch with him. And so it's imperative that I understand the difference between unconditional love and intimacy. God loves the world unconditionally. We see this in John 3.16. But he's not friends with everyone. And so part of being friends with God is believing who he says he is, repenting, and truly wanting to be that person that is like him. And so that causes me to have intimacy. So God never stops loving me, even if I mess up. But it may affect how much we enjoy one another. So being a safe person means I can have more intimacy. I can enjoy somebody more when they are earning that intimacy. And earning means I care about how you feel. I care about being a safe person. When I mess it up, I want to fix it. And so that causes me to have intimacy. So one of the things that we know that we want to think about when it comes to being safe is this saying that I like that I like to that I penned and it says I can't hear your heart because your behavior is so loud. So many times we only want to be judged on our intentions. What we need to realize is that intentions are easy. Feelings are easy. We can't even we don't even manufacture our own feelings. Behaviors toward a person, that's hard work. That creates intimacy. So I want you to think about today, in relationships with others, just a couple of thoughts as we are getting close to wrapping this up. So do I trust God with my relationships? I want you to ask yourself that. Do I trust God to be in relationship? And, and we had all these reasons why God wants me in relationships. Well, which one am I resisting? And I'm, am I resisting the sharpening? Am I resisting the meeting together? Am I resisting being supported or supporting? Am I resisting relating simply because I don't want to? Am I resisting the pruning process? So what might I be resisting when it comes to why God wants me in a relationship? And then I want you to ask yourself, where is God asking you to grow and change and repent in relationship? So God bless you in this Christmas time. I look forward to talking to you next week on Codependency. Have a great week. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate and spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay anytime at KPXQ1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ.